Hi, welcome to Christianity and Culture. Uh, this is a podcast of Theology of the Bottleworks, which is a ministry of the Journey Church in St. Louis, Missouri. My name is Jenny, and I am joined today by Bob Esch. Welcome, Bob. Hello, Jenny. Nice to be here. Um, Bob moderated the last Theology of the Bottleworks conversation, which we've been doing monthly um, during the pandemic over Zoom, um, which has been a learning experience, but a good one. I think it's it's done a good job of continuing our our tradition. Um, do you want to talk about the topic? I do. The January Theology of the Bottle Works topic, which um, the event took place the third week of January, was prompted by the recent weeks in American political life, uh, which encompassed the election in November and then the events that transpired during December and then on January 6th, the invasion of the United States Capitol. And in light of all that, our topic for discussion was America, colon, land of the blank and home of the blank. So we are going to delve into how we fill those blanks in, basically, talk about who we are as a country, who are, who's the we, who's the us, who's the them, What's our national identity? What groups do we belong to? Collectivism, sociological distinctions, individually, personal freedom. Oh, and a Christian perspective on all these things. I think that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about. Yeah, um, for sure. The kind of four or so main themes that you broke it down into um, over the evening um, are very, very culturally relevant, very relevant, very American themes. Um, and they definitely have some correlation in a Christian perspective that we can we can bring to it. But um, anything anything you want to talk about before we dive in, or you want to just get going? Well, I, I want to acknowledge as we talk about this, Jenny, that the, I mean this topic. This has been a difficult and somber and emotional and maybe outrageous in any way. Heavy time is really a heavy cultural moment for a couple months for people in the United States who are paying attention to the politics, which presumably is most people listening to this podcast. Um, so I want to acknowledge just how heavy and how difficult it is. It's also why we at Theology of Orgs wanted to talk about this. As a reminder, we have an outward facing ministry that tries to engage people outside of Christianity on a regular basis on topics that matter and are extremely important and relevant to today's cultural moment. So we always are picking our topics by what are non-Christians interested in because we want to have the chance to talk to them. Just like Paul had the chance to talk to a bunch of non-Christians on top of Mars Hill to the point where they asked him where he thought, in essence, that's our ministry model. We want to talk about stuff that matters and have the opportunity to be able to bring a Christian perspective to the topic du jour that matters. And so that's what we were doing today um, and acknowledging it's a very heavy moment. and. Uh, let, let me point this out too, actually. I had a, one, we've been doing things on Zoom, as Jenny has said. We have been outside the confines of the local microbrewery, where, uh, which I call our local Mars Hill, where we hang out on a monthly basis for our discussions for the last 15 and a half years. But we're on Zoom now, which can be an amazing opportunity to tune in for people who otherwise either you're not in St. Louis or you just couldn't make it or this or that or the other, but the Zoom makes it very... Um, easy to participate in the Theology of Bottle Works discussion. I have a friend of mine who is 
down in Arkansas actually has never participated. He's like, wait a minute, I can like join your discussion now, right? So he did. And Jenny, he just, when I introduced our topic by talking about how important it is to do peacemaking in our city and for our country, it just resonated with him. And I realized for a lot of people that peacemaking attitude of what we at Theology Butterworks are trying to do, bring people together and peaceably talk about important stuff. If we could do that across our city, across our state, across our region, across our country, that would be marvelous. I mean, Christians ought to be known for peacemaking. And I hope our topic, um, I hope our discussion helped with that. I hope this topic helped with that as well. I told you I was very charged up about talking about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> that and two yeah. cups of coffee, my friend, has got me there really There we ready. go. It's a, it's a chilly Saturday afternoon. We are ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Is it chilly? It's nine degrees when I was out snow, uh, uh, wiping the snow off my sidewalk. Yeah, when I looked at the temperature this morning at about 8.30, it said three degrees. I was like, nope, not today. Not going anywhere. So Jenny and I are each huddled up in our individual locations, recording together over a terrific app. Uh, sitting here with a nice warm cup of coffee, wearing my nice warm sweater, and getting into a nice warm topic. Yeah, so let's let's jump in. When we had this conversation over Zoom, it was January 20th, which some might remember was Inauguration Day. Um, and a major theme of President Biden's inauguration speech was unity and unifying the nation. Um, and coincidentally or not, um, one of the first themes that we talked about in this conversation was unity and division. Yeah, you, how did you introduce that topic? Um, was there anything surprising that came out of that part? How did you feel about it? Right, right. We talked about the fact that it is so common to hear the phrase, we've never been so divided as a country before. That's been a commonly said term and it's a chance to get together and talk about what does unity mean or what does division mean. It's important to pause and even start to think of a historical perspective. Um, you know, anybody who's seen the musical Hamilton knows that chaos, difficulty, and even disunity in American politics is not recent. It goes back to the very beginning. Um, and when people talk about we've never been so disunited as a country, you, you pause and say, well, the Civil War was a significant moment of disunity. So uh -huh. it was a chance both to have some perspective because we can live in the moment and history is such, a, in the, it's both optimistic and pessimistic because it's like, wait, haven't we like healed and been drawn together more as a country since then? But it also gives us a perspective. It's like, is, I don't know if this is the worst moment we've ever had in a country, but we had a chance to talk about like, who, who is it the we that's divided and what is divided? Because presumably there's agreement on some issues and not on other issues. And then from the Christian perspective, when we talk about it, like what, what are the values that we ought be putting forward and and emphasizing compared to other values that maybe the world wants to put first, but there won't be unity on them. For example, who should be president of the United States? Okay, there's not unity on that issue. And you quickly run into divisions between political parties. But from a Christian perspective, that is far from the most important thing. I would call those very low important things, maybe of no, no spiritual significance whatsoever. Spoiler alert, get ready for this episode. Another year, another main theme was that of identity, specifically national identity. That kind of gets at that we, the us, maybe the them of the situation. What did you dive into with that topic? Who, who is the we? Is 
a question when we talk about we are divided, uh, because who are, who are we talking about? Are we talking about all Americans? Are we talking people in our own particular tribe or family? That was one of the things we talked about. Uh, defining the we, do we think in terms of collectivism? Because in America, it seems to me that we're not very good at emphasizing the we. America as a national ethic believes in individualism and personal autonomy and individual freedoms. There's so much emphasis on the me that things like the we get lost, I feel like, in a lot of ways. So if you have 330 million into people who spend most of their time both trying to please themselves and thinking about individual liberties and individual freedoms and their constitutional individual rights, it becomes very hard to think in terms of we and any form of collectivism. And I think that's part of the contributing factor why we have disunity because 330 million people don't agree about anything as we see every election cycle (laughs) as we see every day in the news that is is correct speaking of america as a nation um values american values that's something that comes up all all the time in in a weird way like there's some core unified uh, system of values um, and when I think the question that you posed was like is there is there a set of values that we can agree on um, are we a land are we a land of the free is that freedom of value what does that mean um, the pursuit of happiness what what um what values do you remember from the crowd people's responses to that Oh, yeah, yeah. There were, it was so interesting to me because several people in the room said America is so divided that we might as well just divide into separate countries basically right now. That we're a group of people who there are, in essence, two big giant groups of people and they don't see eye to eye on almost anything, so there's no reason to be together as a country. Yeah, I remember that. Which was in- very heartfelt and passionately said. I don't know if it's objectively true. I think. It's emphasizing the fact that, especially in our current moment, when we just had the election, that there are a few issues that are uh, paramount that not everybody can agree on. To me, one of the important things to think about is that, I mean, just like theology of the bottle works itself, we don't tell people what to think. We embrace everybody who's going to come and we're going to encounter them. We're going to listen to them. When somebody says something that is not what we want to hear, in fact, there were a couple people in our discussion that definitely had views that were not shared by probably many, if any, other people, but this was a place they could talk. They had the freedom to do so, but they also had the respect from the other people. I feel like part of what America is missing is we're emphasizing freedom as a value, but what about respect? What about something like love one another no matter what their political opinion is? We can have as individuals this, this reaction against people who don't think like us. And our first reaction can be they're different and, even, and we don't like them. We don't like what they have to say or we don't like them individually. In fact, I'd say one of the best things we do about Theology of the Bottle Works is we emphasize the humanity of the persons who are in the room and make the distinction between them and whatever view they happen to be holding at that moment in time. And views can be discussed, engaged, even argued over in an animated fashion. That has nothing to do with the respect and dignity that should be accorded the person themselves. And if we as a country could do the same thing that we do at Theology of the Bottle 
here's somebody who doesn't agree with me, instead of instantly being your temperature rising and you're not liking them as a person, if your reaction was to lead in and say, that's so interesting, I care about you, tell me why. If that was our national ethos, instead of you're different than me, you know, I don't like you, I hate you, I'm afraid of you, we need to separate, we can't even be part of the same culture and country anymore, I'm voting for the former. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the last, <laughs> the last theme um, was that of home, and that's interesting. It's so simple, and it's so important to to everybody. Like, if you just go to like statistics and like people people live longer, have more fulfilled lives if they have a stable home, if they have a place to call home, if they have a roof over their heads if they had a good like home life, all these things, like it's a very integral part of our culture. And it is part of that, that the phrase that we opened with the, the home of the, what, how did, how did this theme play out in our discussion? Mm. Well, in essence, it's not the, it's not the phraseology that people use when they talk about this topic, but to me, I call this the thing behind the thing. Home is a place where you're known you're safe, you're comfortable. The world out there is sometimes scary, sometimes challenging, at best not embracing. Um, and home is supposed to be the place where you can be you and you can be safe and you can be secure and you can be loved. And I am hoping we see the difference between like our country, our country's not a home. You know, Christianly, I mean, we have a home ourselves uh, we have, you know, families or family units or friend units. We have all those kinds of things. Um, but from the, the Christian Lee perspective, home being your locus in the family of God, where you are known and you are beloved at two different levels by your father in heaven is there. And then by your uh, fellow saints and believers, those are homes that should provide those things that I just mentioned, the safety, security, the love, stability. Even in our world and in the United States of America, where we have a lot of different opinions, um, we're, we have a, like, politically speaking, or nationalistically speaking, we have a home where there are, again, 330 million people who don't think together. And could, could people just see that, well, what we're bound around by is the fact that we're in the location, we have shared interests. In fact, a central interest is the fact that we put freedom probably at the top of the list of values and individual autonomy and personal agency, those kinds of things. It's interesting how each of us want to have those, but we find it difficult to grant those to other people if they're actually going to be different than us. When the point is, the thing behind the thing is, well, they're free too. And everybody can sort of do whatever they want to, according to like pursue their own muse in a, in a, a common phrase, but being able to respect the ability to do that and not expecting them to, to fit in your box, I think would be a long way towards being able to cross some divides. I love when uh, Amanda Gordon, uh, the youth poet laureate who spoke, uh, who recited a poem at the inauguration, which I thought was fantastic, uh, quote, as I was crafting this piece, she said, I was really trying to communicate a message of joining together and crossing divides. On the one hand, that sounds naive and ridiculous and impossible given the context we're in. On the other hand, gee, as a Christian, do I think that's possible? Oh, yes, I think that's possible. I think it's probable. I think that's some of what I'm striving for on a regular basis. Like, depends on what divide, okay? 
I'm not going to get a bunch of people to agree with me on who should be elected president or governor or even my own senate or even the mayor in my city of St. Louis. Those aren't things that necessarily, but unity around things like respect and dignity and peacefulness and loving one another um, would be things I think we can agree on, would be more characteristic of home-like setting, going back to your question of home, um, I mentioned that in a spiritual setting, we should be able to be home in the family of God and in our Father's arms. But similarly, we should be able to be at home in our country, realizing there aren't the people who think like us. That's how Paul felt on Mars Hill. Gee, that's how Jesus felt when he was walking around for 33 years. He was home, but not home. Did everybody agree with him? No. Was he okay at living with all that? Yes. Could he be loving? Could he love God and love our neighbor, thinking about the two biggest commandments? The entire time, people were not nice, not friendly, not embracing his views. I mean, as Christians, these are he's the model for how to live in a difficult society filled with innumerable people who don't agree with you and think like you. I think we have a guide for how to do that. And we could be content the entire time, and we don't have to be angry at the fact that people are different from us or don't embrace our views or they don't embrace our Christianity. They didn't embrace Jesus quote Christianity is messiahhood so it's okay Mm. yeah I was I just had these images thinking about home life um and even like I I grew up in a great home um we get along and got along but we didn't all like I still got mad at my sister like we didn't (laughs) all we weren't always happy we weren't always cheerful and agreeing on everything like that's not part of home and it's not part of happiness. Um, it's not part of uh, healthy relationships. And then, then, like, my thoughts went from my home to our little Theology of the Battleworks home family. Like, clearly, we don't all agree on anything. Um, and we've built a space where that's encouraged. Um, we base that on respect and seeing the Imago Dei in the other people and the other points of view. And we know at the end of the day, you don't have to go talk to that person you agree with. Um, but you can, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of this kind of comes back around full circle, um, back to unity and division, our first theme, um, and the Christian perspective on that. Um, our kind of motto, if you will, of um, theology at the Bottle Works is um, that all of the people we encounter have the image of God, the Imago Dei, um, stamped on them, and we want to treat them as such. And that's, like, point A, that is our unifying um, aspect. Right, right, right. And it... it, it... It sort of sounds naive and cliche, as I said, that Amanda's Gordon's home and its urgings also could sound that way, except it's it's the right want, the wanting the right thing, and harboring that dream and that vision. Like Christians, let's have that dream and that vision that things can be harmonious, ought to be harmonious, can be harmonious in various degrees, and not give up hope either in our world, while we're going to have trouble getting along, to paraphrase Jesus, we are also bound for a place of unity. At the same time, we can still represent it. Um, 
I, 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 I can't characterize any particular one Christian response or attitude during the time of the election. I can tell you what I wish Christians had been known for. You know, I saw some Jesus signs walking around at different, um, you know, protests or other marches or things like that, you know, during this post-election period. And my hope is that Christians would be known for their love, that if our greatest command is to love God and our second greatest command is to love our neighbor with no exceptions for whether they have a D or an R behind their name. Let's just start there. If we were known for a love and we were loving and promoting love the entire time and actually acting it out, no matter what the circumstances, which sounds like the model that's set before us, I think we'd be going a long way in serving our God and in making a statement to the kingdom that like people, I might not like your political opinion and everything, but I can still love you as a human being and grant you uh, respect and still long for unity on some things if we're not going to agree on everything. You're not going to agree on everything. My parents have been married for 66 years. They haven't agreed on everything, but they put the first things first, and that's why they're still married for 66 years. I mean, can we do that as a country? Yes, you put first things first, and you both engage in forgiveness when people let you down, when people let you down, not if, uh, and then you let the small things be small, the big things be big. I, we, can, we Christians could do that while we're citizens of the United States of America, realizing we've got a president and we're citizens of a United States, but we're citizens of a much bigger kingdom where we have a king and our goal is to serve him and even land of the free and home of the brave, it strikes me, Jenny, that like freedom is not, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it's, it's hardly a Christian value. We're slaves to Christ. We serve a king. P personal freedom and autonomy is not really what Christianity is about. Following a king and following his ways and the being commanded to do things is sort of antithetical to a degree to personal freedom. But for our own good, we have a father who loves us and gave us some, some Ten Commandments and a lot of other boundaries. So I feel like Christians could emphasize personal freedoms less and emphasize kingdom values like truth, like love, like harmony, like loving one another, like serving and grace and compassion Maybe I should start now because I could keep going for quite some time now. Peacemaking, could I say? Mm -hmm. These are Christian values that, gee, all Christians can agree on, right? And these are values that the world would embrace if we would take them to them. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction about the word freedom. The way that most, I would say most Americans um, think of the word as that individual right to do whatever you want to do. Um, that is not the freedom for which we were set free. Exactly. Free. free. <laughs> we were set free and we serve God in, in love and worship and freedom and truth. But that's not the same as, yeah, it's a Christian. I don't think of my, my individual freedom to do everything. I'm um, limited with God's values and his directions for our life, which is a completely different thing than what I'm free to do under the Constitution and laws of the United States of America. You're, mm -hmm. you're a kingdom in two different kingdoms. You're, a, you're a, a citizen in two different kingdoms at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and that I mean, you've hit on the next two um, themes there. We, we talked about the, the values of freedom and individualism. 
um, and you kind of touched on identity and maybe nationality as part of that. Um, and I think, I mean, right off the bat, Americans, hmm, Christians, Christian and American are not the same thing. Duh. Um, <laughs> Christianity doesn't have anything to do with your nationality on earth. It gives you a kingdom identity, the kingdom of God. You are a subject of the kingdom of God, which is kind of a nationality. Um, but you are not a better or worse Christian, depending on your political leanings. You're not a better or worse American if you're a Christian or not. Like, um, those are not corollary in any way. They're, they're different tracks. They're different. It's a little bit like the book that is, um, the theme we're talking about is the title of the book sitting on my desk, which is Large and Ponderous, and I'm going to get to it by Augustine, City of God. You know, there's two cities. There's the City of God and the City of the World. And what we're talking about is Christians recognizing the difference and recognizing the sort of, you know, like the rule book, the citizenship is different between those kinds of things. And our urging and thinking today is in this political moment, this cultural moment of heaviness and outrage and difficulty, that Christians have the opportunity. This is no surprise to God that his people are right now in this place and at this time. We're surprised by it, but God is not. And we have the opportunity to represent and to put forth all those that laundry list of values I stated earlier that are Christianly and attractive to people. We have the chance to do this and to harbor those all the time, notwithstanding political differences and outrage. Indeed. And while while some of us may be called to spending our time on earth um, improving and, and working towards the betterment of human systems of government, I, I want to make very clear I am not demeaning that or belittling that in any way. While that might be the calling of some of us, that is not, we're not making our home on earth better. We are working towards serving our God for our eventual uh, arrival in our eternal home. Amen to that. Yeah, and heaven said humility. We haven't even we haven't even um, said the word humility, which ought again be a predominant Christian value. Um, mass confession is something I struggle with personally, even though I have a lot of reasons to be humble. I've been humbled many a time, but again, during this season of strife and difficulty, are Christians known for their humility? Um, I think that would be an even a meekness to use a beatitude-like term. These are things that I see described for us in our Gospels as our guides, which are so very different than the descriptions attributed to lots of people in our present cultural time. These are things and values that we could be living out, promoting, and that are, I mean, truly attractive. Um, we always have... We come to at these topics um, when we discuss them in our planning meetings. We always have a kind of a goal, like what is the gospel implication for this conversation? Why are we? Why do we think it's worth talking about? Um, what was what was our goal for this conversation? The chance for Christians to be able to say some of the things that I said today in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, that I'm going to love people, whoever they voted for. That I'm going to be for the good of my city and my country. Um, I want to live within the constitutional bounds, but there are things like truth, grace, compa- all these other things are more important to me 
than the things that are maybe making people scream, shout, and demonstrate right now. Um, and then I'm even going to love the people that will scream, shout, and demonstrate right now. I mean, that's, again, what we're called to do in their time. And, you know, as we have the chance from time to time, um, you know, talk to them about our God and our sense of peace and where our values come from and how we can have, even though I've been, Jenny, as I was telling you, as we were chatting before we got on mic here, about some of the outrage I personally have had over some of the, I'm a, I happen to be a lawyer and I follow the legal aspects of things and have a bit of personal outrage over different things, but I can like calm that down and, you know, regain my Christianly composure and remember the values that I'm called to have. And I think being able to give the world a glimpse of those things could be really valuable, um, especially with the ends of peace and love and mercy and compassion in mind. People can scoff at like, we'll never have unity. And I'll just say, no, of course, we're never going to have unity across all things all the time. But we can love people where they are right now, and we can agree to disagree as long as we're in a country. Um, let's, let's do that, please. Mm-hmm. And all those things make for a stronger, more unified country. They certainly can. Uh, yeah. Strife and dissension are not new at all. We've had lots of it. I mean, we always will. If you have the most diverse polyglot mix of people that have ever come together under one flag, the United States of America, you know, we, we as a country didn't start the way lots of other countries by a common ethnicity or religious values or physical characteristics or skin color or a just pick up whatever things that other countries are based in. We don't even have a common, I mean, we have a common geography now, but we, you know, the American story is not one of coming to a country and it was all together. And no, um, just respecting and knowing the fact that we're, we are too diverse. And with this kind of diversity, you're not going to have everything, but we can still find peacemaking. And when we're involved, bring it home to politics, we're involved in the electoral process and we vote. And then when the votes are counted and conclusions are reached and that decision is made, it's like, well, there we go. The decision has been made and we move forward with our lives. You know, as Christians, we're still living our king the whole time. And with respect to the, the other city, the you know city of the world, our, our country, we live as citizens in this world. Uh, we live as Christians living in Babylon. We seek the good of our city. We still do all the things that we ought to be doing. Um, and praying for and seeking the good of our country and loving for it. And we never stop doing that, no matter how difficult it is. And that's part of that's part of our calling. It will be a message to some people who will see us and it will be attractive to other people who think, you know, these Christians, okay, they're whoever, not, not even there because I don't think there is one presidential candidate for all Christians. I think it would be rather ridiculous to say that. Um, because Christianity isn't but a political party whatsoever. But I think if a, Christ, a Christianly response to electoral strife and disunity in our country, I think is where we're planted to be right now and provide seeds of love um, and unity and peacemaking in this time. That's part, it should be part of our mission here. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think a lot of strife and outrage and grief through this process comes from people putting their hope in our president, whoever that happens to be. Um, and as Christians, we should remember that, that there's 
like you said, there's no one president for all Christians. There's no one president that's going to be the one that's going to solve all the problems. And our, our hope can't rest in our governmental process. It's still an experiment in progress. Um, and even when it's finished, it's not going to be the answer. It's just Jesus. It's just it's just Jesus. That's who we're serving, and we're called to follow His ways. Um, at the at the end of theology of the Bible works, um, I always give some kind of a little wrap up. I don't give the answer to all of the difficult questions that we are discussing. But I, I was going to ask about this because it's a it's a secret that was revealed uh, a few episodes ago. Is that you um, and some other moderators sometimes prepare more than one um, ending? <laughs> So I was curious which one you went with and why you chose it. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're talking about a topic with a bunch of people who don't, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know who's going to be there, you don't know what they're going to say, um, and I've gracefully had the chance to do this a lot of times and I've gotten more comfortable with being able to react a bit to the room um, and be very relevant to the discussion that actually took place, which is not always the discussion you think is going to take place when you plan your questions and your thoughts on the night. I just thought there was so much discussion about, there was a sense of hopelessness and frustration. Oh, I thought that was very strong in the room. Uh, and there were some people there who spoke things that um, were rather uh, um, not just dissenting, but a little difficult and controversial. Simultaneously, there were people who were both speak that were speaking the truth and love and responded to difficult people. In fact, I wanted to say this, like one person spoke a variety of difficult things and wasn't terribly graceful in the way they do it. And in my head, I'm like, I'm rejoicing because this is the kind of forum where they should be able to come. And Christians have the opportunity now to respond in truth and in love to somebody who's angry and upset. I, in my head, I, during the discussion, I was started calling him the angry young white man because he was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that some Christians just like paused and weighed and spoke respectfully and gracefully. They didn't praise or agree with everything he said, but there were some beautiful responses to him. Unfortunately, he left before the entire evening is over, which is emblematic of what not to do when people don't agree with you. Get mad and leave. That's not the way you don't solve anything. Uh, so I was really glad Proud is not quite the word, although I was proud of some Christians in the room that responded. It's one of the things we try to do is that Christians act Christianly in a difficult attitude. Um, so there was so much strife in the room. Uh, it reminded me so much of the Hamilton musical. And when people say we've never been so divided as a country before, I say, did the pre vice president of the United States shoot and kill a political opponent lately? No, <laughs> that hasn't happened lately. That did happen in the 1700s. It was called Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. And in the musical itself, um, you would be familiar with this because it's a very moving time after the, the, spoiler alert, Hamilton is shot and killed in a duel. And there's a song sung by Aaron Burr in that musical. And he sings the world, the world was wide enough. He has a sense of regret for just what happened. And then he sings this song as Alexander Hamilton is basically dying. He realizes the world was wide enough for both Hamilton and me. And so I like that sense of perspective, but then I went further in my closing comments and said, that sense of understanding that the world is wide enough is a stride forward from where we are as a country, but 
my personal faith calls me to do more. It says, I need to forgive Alexander Hamilton. I mean, I sorry, I need to forgive Aaron Burr. <laughs> Whoever I am, and like forgiveness of somebody who did something wrong and then keep going, that's my calling and that's how I try to live in a difficult country in a difficult setting in a difficult time. And um, I hope that was a gospely introduction of a way to live in this world that was really relevant to people. That, that was my hope. And that Christians are called to do more and that our way is good, right, and beautiful. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a great note to end all this on is like the idea of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. being willing to offer it and being willing to accept that you need it. Like it goes both ways because there's no way that I'm the best person in this conversation, that I'm the right one in all the con- Like sometimes I'm right. Sure. But most of the time I probably, and even when I'm right, I probably did it wrong. <laughs> like, you know, you've had conversations where you lorded your rightness over somebody and you hurt them with it. And it's yeah. it. We need to be, humble like you said earlier we need to have humility and we need to show forgiveness amen to that thank you all for listening uh, this was a very very intense very i think very productive ultimately uh, topic for the evening Le- left a lot of people thinking things through maybe a different way than they had coming into the evening you can follow us on facebook and instagram we are also on meetup if you want to join a future Zoom Theology of the Bottleworks, you can follow us there. Um, we're still doing our monthly thing on Zoom um, for the foreseeable future. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next month. Thank you.